0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Are you ready for the Word of the Lord today? We're, we're going to continue our series. We started after Easter, and the idea behind this behind this series is that so often in the hype of Easter time, you know, we get all excited and everybody's shopping and they come dressed in their best, you know, and they're just dressed to impress and ready to roll and everybody's hyped. And you know what? Sometimes I think on Easter Sunday morning, some people come to church more excited about the physical holiday and the season that has been appointed by men more so than they are about the power of God that raised Jesus out of the tomb. I think we're more excited sometimes to see each other dressed up than we are about the fact that we serve a resurrected Savior who's in the house where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of them to do amazing things. So we're spending a few weeks here on the, on the hind end of that just, just in, the wake of, in the wake of the Easter season just to remind you that God is alive and well, that Jesus is raised from the dead and that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever and the same miracle-working God that we saw moving in the flesh here on this earth, touching the blinded eyes, opening the deaf ears, causing the lame to walk again, speaking life over corpses and they being raised to life again that same miracle working God is alive and well today and he is ready and he is able to meet his children and 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 we're focusing here on these four specific face to face encounters that that Jesus had with these individuals or groups of people after his resurrection as a means to remind you that the same miracles that he did before his crucifixion he's still in the business of doing after his resurrection amen Amen, and we're gonna we're gonna conclude this next week, and I'm gonna remind you that not only has he been doing these miracles after his resurrection, he's been doing them since his ascension. Amen. So he's still he's still in the miracle working business, and you know this world is full of voices, is it not? I mean, we hear from people now in this generation that otherwise we would have never heard from before. Anybody who has any kind of internet access suddenly has a voice in this world and, you know, they cast their opinions as if, you know, um, we all want to hear it. And uh, they, they, you know, it, honestly, we have, people, we have people in this world today who have made a hobby. They've got a hobby that is to make videos, YouTube videos, critiquing the sermons of pastors. Like, that's their jam. So on Monday morning, they sit down with the latest message. They've they've watched several church services, and then they sit down, pad and paper in hand, and they, they critique what's being said. They take every word, sometimes they take every phrase out of context, and then out of the context in which it was stated, and then show you how it's contradictory to the gospel. When you go back and listen to that message, it, it all makes perfect sense, and it's right, and it's timely, and it's a good word, but they've made sport out of this, and, and you know, they sit there and they say, well, that's not very deep, and, and they, they take these phrases out of context. And my point in that is saying this, that all around the church world and all through the landscape of Christianity, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking going on but I want to tell you something today church I'm tired of the talking are you tired of talking I'm tired of the talking as a matter of fact Paul spoke to some folks in Corinth who were really good at talking as a matter of fact they were talking smack against Paul and talking about his, his authority as an apostle and his right to speak into their lives and his right to preach the gospel. And, and Paul finally comes back with this reply and we read it in 1 Corinthians chapter four. It says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That didn't hit right with some of you this morning. Paul said that the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. In other words, it's not my argument against a bunch of arguments out there in the world. It's not my philosophy or my idea against other philosophies or ideas out there in the world. But there is a power associated with the gospel of Jesus Christ that differentiates it from any other system in the world. The kingdom of God is not in word but in power and I believe today we've done good and we've done right to praise the Lord in advance for miracles in the house today. The record of the Gospels gives us four distinct times when Jesus met with people or groups of people after his resurrection. Five if you want to count his encounter with Mary Magdalene at the tomb. And in this, he did incredible things in their lives. And I believe that in this generation, these are common struggles that that many people deal with. And uh, we see Jesus here speaking to, ministering to, breaking these yokes and, and setting things right in people's lives. And we we have, uh, uh, I believe that they're relevant for the church today. For many of us as individuals as well, These these things are so relevant. We all have times when our passion has waned, when, when we might be a little more lukewarm, a little more complacent in our walk with the Lord. We're not as zealous as we once were for the things of the Lord. We saw Jesus in that first week meeting with the men from on the way to Emmaus, and he spoke life over them, and he breathed the fire of God on them. And they said, you know what, didn't our hearts burn within us as he spoke those words then, then last week, we saw those disciples gathered behind closed doors, all balled up in anxious thought, worried about what the future was going to hold for them. And we see Jesus coming in, and he is speaking to those anxious thoughts that are trying to dictate our lives. and And I believe that God wants to do that in this generation, all the anxiety, all the fear. Uh, that's going on in our world today. I believe the Holy Spirit, Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, wants to meet with us face to face and address those anxieties and address those thoughts and help us to take those things captive to the cross of Jesus Christ and submissive to his lordship. And today, we'll probably readily identify with an individual who has somewhat lost his ability to believe from for any more in the power of God And some may rightly suggest that he had lost his ability to believe in the very God that Jesus came claiming to be. In other words, he lost his ability to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And before we start today, I want to say that We're going to hear something verbalized in our text today that many, if not most of us, have probably thought at one time or another, but because we're good Christian people, we don't dare say it. I so appreciate the vulnerability the transparency and the honesty that we're going to see in our text today. And I believe if you and I can be honest with ourselves and we can embrace what's being said here and we can begin to recognize some things in our own lives, then I believe the Lord wants to meet with us face to face and he wants to address those things. And as a result, we're going to begin to move and operate by a deeper faith and we're going to see greater and greater things begin to transpire in our lives and in our church. Is that okay with y'all? Can we do that today? So, so last week we saw Jesus in a post resurrection form visiting his disciples in a locked room. And we learned that they were there for fear of what the Jews might do to them. And the fear of the possibility of something to go wrong had paralyzed them. They had a commission on their lives, they had a call on their lives, they had an ordination on their lives to go out we opened the service with it today to go out in all the world to preach the gospel in all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all the things in the word we we have that ordination that's there on their lives but yet for fear of the jews they are secluded themselves they've secluded themselves to this room and locked themselves in and jesus addressed those fears and he spoke His peace to their troubled hearts and I encourage you today if you need your fears addressed, Jesus is still available. But, have you ever missed church? And consequently, the very service that you missed, by the time it was over and your friends could get home, you had like your, your inbox was blowing up. I mean, people were texting you left and right. People were calling you. People were DMing you. And they were saying, man, where were you at today? Church was lit. It was so good. The power of God was there. We saw miracles happen. Man, I can't believe you missed it. If you ever? When I was a kid, it was a very, very, very rare occasion that we ever missed church for anything sunday morning sunday night wednesday night camp meeting you know gospel singing fish fry whatever was going on we were there but on the on the rare occasion that we ever did it was always the best service ever i mean i mean we would see people's cars come by and it was almost like you'd see the cars come by and you'd be like okay 99 98 97, I mean, we were counting down, waiting for the phone to ring, and sure enough, it would, because in those days, we didn't, we didn't have all the gadgetry. So the phone would ring. Somebody called, oh, so you missed it. Oh, it's the best time. Yada, da, da, da. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, a person could really pick up a complex after missing church. Because if, if so many people tell you it was the best service in a long time, every time you miss to the point that you start to feel like you may be the hindrance right i mean like what's wrong with me am i the hold up here am i the reason why that it wasn't that way last night just so imagine that you're part of a church and and on the one day that you miss jesus shows up no not not figuratively not in spirit but in the flesh Like you're not there one day and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Some people say miraculously because the evidence of the text is that the disciples were in a room and the door was locked. And it doesn't say Jesus knocked. It doesn't say he picked the lock. It doesn't say anything else. It says that and Jesus was with them. He was there in the room. He was there in the room and and. Here, here is, we're gonna, this is exactly what happened to one of the texts, one of the disciples in the narrative that we looked at last week. Here's this amazing meeting. Jesus is there face to face with the disciples. Hey, don't be anxious anymore. In the same way that the Father sent me, I've sent you. Don't be afraid, peace be on you. But there was one guy that was missing. Can't you imagine 2023 if, if, if uh if thomas had missed that church service man peter was the first one l-o-l thomas bro i can't believe you missed it today guess what jesus was there jesus was there so turn again with me in john's gospel the 20th chapter and we're going to pick up where we left off last week at verse 24. And we read these words, and it says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Here's those words. Here's the words I believe that many of us think, but none of us have the vulnerability to say out loud. I believe we've all been through seasons in life. We've all walked through things that we didn't understand. We couldn't couldn't assess why God wasn't working things out the way that we thought he should. We couldn't understand why things ended the way that they did. And we couldn't understand exactly the wisdom in how God was handling things. And, And here Thomas is verbalizing, I believe, something that many of us have felt so many times over. And he said to them, Unless I see, unless I see his hands, the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not, too much has happened. there's there's too much water under the bridge right now. I was not expecting them to haul Jesus off and for him to be crucified, but I saw him crucified. I saw my hopes dashed. I saw my dreams destroyed. In a moment, all of my hope evaporated, and I will not believe unless I can see the nail prints in his hands and his feet and I can... See the scar in his side. Unless I can see those things, unless unless it's manifest to me, I will not believe it. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Aren't you glad that though we're gathered here in mass today, and though there are those joining online, that. You know and across our locations that wherever we are today we may be sitting among a multitude of people but still Jesus will show up for the sake of the one. He he can come into this place today and in the power of the Holy Spirit he can minister to you as if you're the only person in the room. And he will and what he can do for one of us individually he does for all of us collectively. Isn't that amazing? Now, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut. (laughs) And he stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. Here it is again. Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, you know that verse? There's a verse in the word that says that Jesus knows what we have need of before we even ask. Jesus shows up. He didn't even give Thomas a chance to ask. He just comes right in the room and he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, here's change, it's all changed right here. It's all changed right here in a moment. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Did you ever see somebody? And maybe it's not their looks. But it's something about them that reminds you of somebody else. Maybe maybe the way that they speak is familiar. I I was sitting, Lisa and I were sitting in a restaurant the other day. And I heard a voice from across the room and it was a very familiar voice and it it caused me to turn and look over and see was it the individual that I thought that I was going to see when I looked that way. But it wasn't them. It was just something about them. Have you ever, maybe the way they move, it's their mannerisms. It's, it's, it's also reminiscent of someone or a group of people that you've known before. And it's just, it's also vaguely familiar and you can't help but feel like that you've met them before. And I, I want to tell you today, as I read this text today, Thomas reminds me of somebody. Thomas, Thomas reminds me of somebody. Let me, let me paint you a picture of the person that Thomas reminds me of. Thomas reminds me of, of a multitude of different church people that I've met over the years. I don't, I don't really particularly have a certain name. I don't even particularly have a certain face, but there's something about the personage. It's something about the mannerisms. It's something about what's being said here that's eerily reminiscent of a lot of people that I've met before. Yeah, see, see here it is. Thomas. Thomas shows up. Thomas shows back up, the, the, the church service has happened, the small group has been going on there behind the closed doors, Jesus shows up, Thomas wasn't there, but yet the next time that the group is assembled together, Thomas comes. It was a freak thing for Thomas not to be there, but he was absent that one Sunday and there was a powerful move of the Lord, but he was back the next time. Oh yeah, see, see, he's he's still showing up to the meetings because he's faithful as the day is long. He's faithful as the day is long. It was a freak occurrence that he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the rest of the disciples. But he's there and while he is there, though the issue is that the nature of his attendance has changed. He was once there, a vital worker in the advancement of the kingdom, but now he's just showing up out of habit. Now he's showing up because he loves the fellowship. You know, I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Don't you just love passing through the lobby here on a Sunday morning and seeing all of God's people and the wonderful smiling faces and sharing the fellowship and being here with the understanding that we're, we're all of one mind and one accord and, you know, we're just, we just love each other, right? He's there and he values the fellowship. He's, he's there because he values the support system. Yeah, I've got somebody to go to and say, you know what, pray for me, brother. And our belief really sometimes is not even as much in the, in the, in the prayer or the power of the prayer of the other as much as it is in the comfort of sharing what we're going through with some other living, breathing soul. Just the counsel just the consolation we we sometimes share prayer requests just simply not believing in the power of god but just simply so we'll have somebody to echo back to us it's going to be all right and thomas is here and his his attendance the nature of his attendance has changed he keeps coming they keep coming they keep coming because they're afraid they might miss the next potluck They love the sense of community. They share and they cherish the friendships they built. But they're showing up and they're more reminiscent about the things of the past than they are excited about the things of the future. And I can see, I can see this scenario building up in Thomas' life where he's like, he's there, but every time he comes, he's like, oh, guys, do you remember when we walked with Jesus Do you remember that night that Jesus spoke, peace be still, and the storm was calmed? Do you remember that time we stood by Lazarus' tomb and Jesus spoke and he come Do you remember the time by the pool when Jesus healed the lame man? Do you remember those times? Never a reflection, never a word that says, you know what? And Jesus said that greater things than these you will do. No expectation that says that Jesus said it's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter can't come. But if I go away, I will send the comforter and you will be endued with power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to turn this world upside down for the kingdom. No reminiscence about the promise of God, but just a recollection of yesterday. Because yesterday's when we believed. Yesterday's when we expected more. Yesterday's when we showed up and gathered around the altars with a hunger in our heart and a passion to draw near to God. But today it's just all kind of cold and if it wasn't for the social element of being among God's people, we might just drop out and fade from view. They're never quite as forthright as Thomas here in this text, but It's a feeling that many people have felt, and they don't dare let it escape their lips, especially in the company of other believers. We come in and we sing the songs about the power of God. We say amen when we hear the concept of miraculous taught. But the truth of the matter is that while we say amen at hearing it taught, their reply to the reports of the miraculous happening are quite different. There's a lot of people in the church world that if we hear about a miracle transpiring somewhere, if we hear about a miraculous healing taking place somewhere, our initial thought is, mm-hmm. mm hmm, mm hmm. Why? Because we're jaded. Let's just be honest. Thomas is jaded. He, he just, he's not, he's not down with it anymore. I mean, he's, he's looking on and, and all he can see is Jesus hanging there on a cross in the finality of that, of that state, his, his side riven, his, his visage marred beyond recognition, the, the stripes on his back, the hair plucked from his beard. And that's all he can see is this individual hanging there, indistinguishable between a man and a side of meat hanging on a torture implement. He can't muster up the belief anymore for the miraculous. And if I'm totally honest, I've seen this person in myself from time to time. Because life is hard. Things we witness in this world are challenging especially to against the concepts of faith and and of what we know of the power of God things are challenging sometimes and we do, we just get into these places where it's it's hard it's hard to believe for more yeah we we just we keep hanging on because our hope is that maybe if we can't get something miraculous in this life we can at least hang on until we see heaven That's another subject we need to talk more about and we will moving forward. But I want to invite you today into an exercise of self-examination and as you look real deep within, I want you to see if you can identify this person in you. See if you can identify this person in yourself that, that you know what, you've been around this thing a long time and there was a time, there was a time when you were on the front line. You you weren't MIA at a church service. You were on the front line. You were serving. You were believing. You were in the altar praying. You were the one around the altar with tears streaming down your face, calling out to God, believing for the miracle. You were the one around the boards where the names are written of those that need salvation, calling out and saying, God, deliver the addict. God, break the chains of addiction. God, draw in the heart of the despondent. God, open the eyes of the blind today and let them see. But life has happened. And I want to invite you today to look for that person. And if you find that person, we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it. If, it if, if we can find this person who looks at the report of the supernatural miracle of God and says, I'm not really sure I can receive that. If we can find this person within who looks at the promise of God and, the, and, the, and assesses the potential of a miracle by saying, I'm not sure God even works that way anymore. Don't tell me, I prayed for hundreds of people around altars who needed physical healing, and I did not see it happen. I understand, I get it, it's real. But I'm going to tell you something, if if you've ever seen it once, it validates anything else of the power of God. And I'm going to tell you today, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, he didn't become not good just because he didn't come through the way that you thought he should in one instance. And and just because his power wasn't manifest in the way that you thought it should have been doesn't mean that somehow or another he's found himself impotent in the means. And in as much as we can find that person within ourselves, it must be dealt with because we've got to deal with it first of all for our own sake. We've got to deal with it, first of all, for our own sake, because we're missing out on what the Scripture says is ours if we're not believing for the miracle-working power of God. If we're not showing up at the prayer service saying, God, I'm standing in need. Touch me, O God. Bless me, O God. Heal me, O God. Complete me, Lord. You let there be any little stir anywhere in the United States. We saw it just a couple of months ago up in Kentucky. There was a a, a little stir of the Spirit that was going on there. People talked about it. People pontificated about it and and assessed it and reassessed it and examined it and looked at it from this angle and that angle. You know... But, but here's the interesting thing, it doesn't matter if it's in Kentucky, if it's in Topeka, Kansas, if it's in Lakeland, Florida, up in Ontario, wherever it is, that where the power of God is moving, where the power of God is stirring, there too people will flock. And it's become any more commonplace in the church world that people follow signs and wonders. But my book says in Mark's gospel in the 16th chapter that signs and wonders would follow those that believe, not the other way around. And I'm telling you that in as much as you find that person in you that says, I can't believe until I can see, you're not going to see until you believe. And it needs to be dealt with because you're living short of your inheritance as a child of God. Mark chapter 16 says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink any, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, but without faith, this is why we need to deal with this man, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. And not only do we need to deal with this man because of our own selves, but we need to deal with him for the sake of the world around us. Do you remember... Do you remember what Paul said to the church at Corinth? That the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. If if memes were going to save people, we'd have a great awakening. If silly argument on on internet forums were going to save people, we would have a great awakening in this society. But I'm telling you that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has quit believing for miracles. We've quit standing in faith in the power of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to quicken these mortal bodies in the miraculous. We've stopped and our words have become nothing but noise on the landscape of noise all over this world. Say, Pastor, I know know there's power and there's anointing in the preaching of the Word. I got that. I understand that. But the power and the anointing and the preaching of the Word of God comes when we believe in the power of the Almighty to Undergird it and work the greatest miracle of all that is redeeming fallen man. Not just because we say so, but we preach the word with conviction. We preach the word with authority. And we preach the word not out of tradition, but because we believe in the power of God. And we live in a generation that's suffering and confused. We live in a generation that's ruled by fear. And I think it's the greatest disservice to a generation to stand in front of them with a Bible in hand replete with the promises of God and tell them of the powerful nature of God and exercise such cowardice as not to proclaim the mighty works of God that he is able to heal. He is able to deliver. He is able to break the bonds of sin that have this world bound. I'm preaching better than y'all are helping. I gotta tell you. That's all right. I encouraged myself before I ever got up here. So sit there in Jesus' name. But I want to tell you something. We need to be ready in front of this world. And I know none of us want to be looking ignorant. We've become so afraid of appearing mad to the world that we've dismissed the Holy Spirit out of our worship services. God forbid that anybody hear us speaking in other tongues. I pray the fire of God fall on all of you. In the name of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. I prepared that word last week. I prepared that word last week about Jesus showing up face to face and speaking. And. To the fear and the anxiety there in his disciples' lives, and after that service, I had a young lady come up here and stand in. She's a school teacher, and I don't think she'd mind me sharing this, but say, you know what, Pastor? I'm so glad you preached that word, and I want to stand in for my the, the students that I lead because I have 10, 11, 12 year olds who are having suicidal thoughts. I want to tell you something, church. It's too late. To stand in front of a generation and preach a half hearted, watered down word, void of the power, and tell them it's all right. If you want to try this, it's okay. But if you want to peel over there, then that'll be all right too. Now tell them that Jesus is alive and well, and he's still able to heal, and he's still able to save. I'm not letting my voice fall on a generation of people languishing in darkness without sharing the truth of an almighty, miracle-working God tell people that he has the power to heal he has the power to save he has the power to deliver his power to break the yoke of the adversity to cast down every vain imagination and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ the power to loose the bonds of anxiety and confusion I'm telling you church it's time for the church to rise up because this timidity needs to go away the sense of embarrassment at the thought of being labeled a religious zealot needs to be vanquished from our are you radical? God, I hope so. Dear Lord, that is my earnest prayer. God, give me some radicals. And I'm calling on the church of the living God to find a posture that is firmly planted on the truths of Scripture and the promises of God. It may require a little persistence in your prayer life. You may not ask one time. You may have to be like the importunate friend that Jesus spoke about in the Bible who knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and because of his much asking, then he got the answer. It may require that we keep our hands off situations to make room for God to move. It might require that we're as interested in the prayer meeting as we are any other facet of the church life. There's only one way to deal with it. There's only one way to deal with it. You can't coach yourself out of it. We can't encourage each other out of it. We've gotta get this doubtful man face to face with Jesus. In your prayer closet, through the study of the word. You know, in the Bible, we often encounter Jesus, see Jesus encountering those who were a little more than apprehensive about what he might do. You remember, you remember Jesus in the boat with Peter? And Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, he said, hey, cast your net out. Cast your net out. Launch out in the deep. Cast your net out. Peter said, wait, what? I'm a fisherman You're a carpenter. I fished all night and I caught no fish, and nighttime is the time to fish. But nevertheless, at your word. You you remember the centurion who came to Jesus needing healing for his sick child? And the centurion confessed. But there he was face to face with Jesus. And his confession was Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I need a miracle, God. Help my unbelief. Encounter him, experience him, fellowship with him and when you do you're going to find out that Jesus is not afraid that you're doubtful Jesus supplies the evidence to overshadow the doubt look at this verse 27 Thomas is there and he's doubtful he said I believe for a miracle I have believed and maybe you're here today and there's that wayward child. Maybe you're here today and there's that infirmity in your body. Maybe, maybe you're here today and there's that thing that's been going on that you've been calling out to God. And you're showing up at the service and just something's changed. Now you're showing up just because it's a habit. It's something you feel guilty if you don't do. You're afraid of how the world's going to look on at you if you miss. And, You enjoy the fellowship. You feel the safety in the fellowship. And you appreciate the encouragement of your brothers. And They're so kind. They say such nice Christian things to you, make you feel good. But really, you didn't come expecting God to move. We need to find that person and we need to bring them face to face with Jesus. And when we do, Jesus steps in And he said to Thomas, reach your fingers here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side." You know, he's saying, Thomas, I know it's hard to believe sometimes. Maybe you haven't always understood it all. Maybe the fire is waning. Something in you right now, you're tensing up because you know that I'm about to give an altar call. And you've been to the altar so many times. But there's something in you that says, "Unless unless I can see it, I won't believe. faith doesn't come by seeing faith comes by hearing and hearing the word reach out your finger here I believe today that's building faith right now in somebody's heart would you stand all over this congregation today our worship team's coming back quickly 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 we've got to go we got to go we got to go but here in this moment we see Jesus face to face restoring faith to the doubtful and I believe he wants to do that in this room I believe he wants to do that wherever you are right now if you're watching online won't you just stretch your hand to heaven right now weary broken stressed out however you are right now just lift a hand to heaven and maybe like the centurion today you need to say Lord I believe would you help my unbelief Jesus would you just show up in my life right now speaking to that very disappointment in such a poignant way that I understand that you're still in control and once again, my passion is reignited to believe you for miracles. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I just speak life over this body. Wherever they're hearing me right now, God, I pray a supernatural visitation of the Holy Ghost. God, I just, I release healing virtue right now in the name of Jesus. I release miracle provisions right now in the name of Jesus. I declare the salvation of the lost right now in the name of Jesus. I declare the opening of prison doors to them that are bound in the name of Jesus. I declare that addictions are breaking in the name of Jesus.